This is Digital Pathology Today. Now, here's your host, Dr. Joseph Anderson. Welcome to Digital Pathology Today. I'm Joe Anderson. Tom Barr is a true industry veteran in digital pathology. We're going to be talking today about what it was like in those very early days of whole slide imaging and implementing digital pathology. What were some of the barriers we had to overcome? Tom was instrumental in developing the virtual imaging for pathology education and research software tool, otherwise known as Viper, at Nationwide Children's Hospital. He was also instrumental in implementing digital pathology programs for clinical trials with some of the major cooperative groups and was also involved in the digital pathology system for the Cancer Genome Atlas program. He is currently the founder of Hyperpath Solutions and we're going to see what he can share about that venture with us as well. This episode of Digital Pathology Today has been brought to you in part by JAV Advisors. With over 16 years' experience, JAV Advisors focuses on business and management consulting for digital pathology and artificial intelligence in deployment within histology, pathology, and cytology laboratories throughout the world. Call 213-258-6268 for more information. JAV Advisors. Tom Barr, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Joe. I'm, I'm, I really appreciate spending some time with you. You're an industry uh, veteran and have really been involved at the early stages in digital pathology and whole slide imaging and kind of an early pioneer. So maybe just tell us a little bit about your experience in digital pathology, whole slide imaging, and uh, informatics. I guess it was back in 2003, we really started evaluating the technology um, at, at Nationwide Children's Hospital, which, which was then known as uh, the Columbus Children's Hospital. Uh, we were working with Dr. Qualman. Uh, he, he was a rhabdomyosarcoma guru. He just talked to me one day and said, have you seen this technology? And, and my background was really in, in medical technology, working in the lab. You know, how, how can we take technology that's available and, and make us more efficient? And, and really the, the, the whole slide imaging was something that was certainly interesting to me, even at the time seeing just uh, the technology and, and really the, the high quality of images, even even at that time. I mean, it, it was a lot more work to get a good quality image back then than it is now. So uh, that was really our initial push. We ended up uh, selecting Aperio, uh, which was a good move in hindsight, and really was able to partner with them very early on. We were one of their first clients, and then we were able to really take that take that technology over many, many years and, and make it work uh, really with the idea initially of providing that as a clinical trials platform to where our pathologists could get that information very quickly and make a decision on whether a patient should or should not go on a, an, an oncology clinical trial. Making it work, that's kind of a key piece of the puzzle that many people might leave out, right? So let's just bring it way back just to the idea of whole slide imaging. I think people understand roughly what that is, that you're able to scan a slide, a whole slide at various levels of magnification and view it on your display or monitor. You went with the Aperio scanner. Aperio is one of the early manufacturers of scanners. We've had this capability for roughly 20 years or so, but let's just talk about what's involved in whole slide imaging um, because I think once we got the scanners, there's m much more to it and to actually make it work, as you said. I think initially it was it was really the hardware and just getting a quality slide and and, and giving uh, giving our pathologists, our researchers, an image that would mimic 
what they see on, on the microscope. And, and that was really challenging early on. You really had to babysit these scanners to get them to provide a quality image. And then as you start doing more of the 40X scanning, you know, it really just it further complicated that whole process. And, and then once you were able to get a good image, you know, what do you do with it? How do you share it? Uh, where do you store it? And you know, how do you share it quickly? Because um, I think, you know, especially back then, bandwidth limitations, and we still have that today. But, you know, at the time, we were, we were sharing this data out with pathologists all over the country. And, you know, we used to always say, you know, we had a very good relationship, developed a really good relationship uh, with the Ohio Supercomputer Center at the time. And, and that was a huge advantage to us because as we were having conversations with our people at Children's, you know, hey, these, these images are about a gigabyte each. Right. Well, that was very scary back then, you know, because a gigabyte of data meant something different really to us when we hear it than, then than when we hear it today. So, you know, being able to generate quality images was a challenge. And then and then being able to store that data and back it up was certainly a challenge, especially with those data sets at the time that the size uh, in the healthcare system, you know, they're much bigger than radiology images and so when you're talking to the IT people, you know, they, they get really, they would get really nervous at that time about, about that much data being produced. And, you know, for us, for example, I remember, you know, one of the key things was anytime, you know, whatever we do digitally, it has to be the exact same as if we were doing this the old way. So I think, you know, initially the hardware was an issue. And then as, as, as things have moved along, there was a lot of focus on hardware and we've certainly seen the benefits of that. And then, you know, the problem really at that point became software and, and having the ability to share this and share it with the right people and, and make sure it's secure and, and things of that nature. That was really, you know, think things that people began to focus on, companies, vendors began to focus on more later, but the initial push really was just being able to generate a good, a good image. Certainly Moore's law comes into play, right? The cost of storage and our ability to store these large uh, files is, so cost is going down, hopefully exponentially towards zero. Our ability to store the files is going up. So hopefully we're the beneficiary of that. And then, like you said, other hardware solutions are, are coming online. And so now we're kind of entering the era of software where we can have companies develop platforms to kind of sit on top of of the existing hardware so how how far have we come since the early 2000s uh we've came a long way uh, and like you said moore's law is certainly part of that because you know the cost for storage and and has really you know it's, it's went down significantly i mean if you go to best buy or somewhere and and you could i think i bought my kid a four terabyte drive for you know sixty dollars and if you'd have told me you know, 20 years ago, you can get four terabytes for $60. Eventually, I would have said no way. So we have seen that. We've seen the impact of that. And I think there's a lot of benefits with with some of these new software tools and really just being being able to interoperate um, the different the different robots and, and make those work together. I think there's there's certainly some real advantages there. I, I, I believe just with some of the hardware companies really, really focusing on hardware, it really opened up opportunities for some of these, uh, what I would consider really middleware uh, software applications to where they can not only serve that information out quickly, but but really be able to put, uh, to collect a lot of information with that to enrich that data set. Uh, and that was a missing piece for many years. But I think 
you know, progress has certainly been made. It's exciting to see where it's at today. Uh, we've joked in the past that, you know, if you'd go to a conference 15 years ago, there would be a few people, you and maybe another person or two in the back corner that's talking about whole slide imaging or digital pathology. And that's really shifted now to where, you know, we have conferences and have had conferences for many years that's focused just on this one field. It's pretty cool to see, uh, to see happen firsthand. We're kind of in the midst of, of the perfect storm. I think we've seen vast improvements in technology. And then, uh, you know, this global health emergency kind of gave us an extra shot in the arm to really now we have a, a focus on digital pathology and working strictly digitally and even remotely. So I think we're, we're in very exciting times. Let's talk about networking and interoperability. You know, you identified the need at your hospital. And so it's one thing to be able to scan the slides and have the pathologist review cases in a single institution. But what about when you want to start sharing cases nationwide or even within a department? There comes the need for networks and then all of the components to work together. You know, so how, how did you go about that? Going from just one pathologist looking at cases at Nationwide Children's Hospital to developing a network and then even developing tools to link institutions together and so forth. And that was a big challenge for us. And I think a challenge for a lot of people, um, being able to do all that in one place, it's not easy, but it, when you start you know, expanding that out and, and, and having the need to you know, for pathologists at different facilities or, you know, for us, a lot of our pathologists would even, you know, they, they would review cases in the evening at their house. And, you know, early on, the, the easy way for us to get around that was we would use the, use the hardware, generate the images, put them on an external hard drive and send them out. And, and obviously, you know, that was a step forward, but still, you know, our goal was really to be able to, to share this stuff quickly so that initially, patients could get put on the right clinical trial much faster than what we had done the old way. So the hard drives was a, was a bandaid at best. Um, and then we really looked at uh, working with as high a provider as we could find to, to serve images out from our facility um, as much bandwidth as we could possibly have getting that out, understanding that you're still going to have a pathologist that's, that's on, you know, on, 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 on his Wi-Fi at his house, right? So that, that still presented a lot of issues. Um, I think a, a lot of the compression schemas, you know, for example, going from JPEG to JPEG 2000, uh, several years ago now, that, that was a huge help with that because you were still getting a, a very high quality image, but it was, a, it was smaller, uh, you know, about 20, what, 20, 25% smaller, uh, which meant that these pathologists or, or researchers could get this data quicker uh, but but we still had limitations even with that and and I think you know we had I can remember one researcher um, one pathologist in Kentucky and and you know we were having all these problems we were jumping through all these hoops we were doing whatever we could to um, you know look at what else is going on with the server um, looking at the logs um, you know what what else are you know something wrong on our end only to find out that he was sitting in his lazy boy reviewing cases over his home Wi-Fi. And, you know, it really leads us or led us to the, you know, we, we can only do so much. I mean, certainly we can, we can optimize our network. Um, we can use a really big pipe to push data out. Uh, but if they're, if they're reviewing cases and it's got to go through a straw, you know, we always use the analogy. We felt like we were pouring the data out from a 55 gallon drum, but if it has to go through a straw to get to your house, if you're reviewing there, then it's, then there's issues there that we really just can't, 
that it's difficult for us to fix for you. Um, but, you know, being able to, to, to make you know, the better compressions was huge. Um, bandwidth going out was huge and even hardware on computers, you know, on their laptops or on their reviewing stations as that improved, it helped as well. Um, we even looked at um, prefetching um, some things that we had done in digital or in, 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 radi in radiology 20 years ago. If we know what images are going to be are going to be needed next, you know, making those, putting those on faster, faster um, disk storage. Um, so we we did some things like that to to try to uh, to help that process. And I think a combination of those things uh, helped it improved. Uh, but there's there's there were still limitations, and, and there's still limitations today. You know, I think there's a lot of applications in digital pathology. I think that's an understatement. Many many applications in different workflows were doing different things, and it sounds like you were focused largely on clinical trials, which I think is going to be a huge opportunity for digital pathology, really to enhance the results of the trials for the benefit of patients, but also to increase the participation or extract as much information from the hist histo histological images in, in these trials. So you talked about working with some of the cooperative groups, such as the GOG or the, the COG, and there's many out there. It's like an alphabet soup. So we have SWOG, the NSABP, and so on. So I think that this is a, a huge opportunity. So maybe tell us a little bit about, you know, your early work with these cooperative groups and kind of what the needs of the groups were and, and where things are going. It's certainly, there's a huge opportunity there. In the beginning, developing software, um, we developed a limb system and, and a document management system and some other things really specifically for the biorepository. We were initially begging pathologists to use the technology and, and trying to show them, you know, here's an opportunity to help get these patients on the, on the clinical trial, the right clinical trial. We were competing with slamming glass. These pathologists is, are really good at slamming glass. They're really quick at, at doing their work that way. You know, how do, how do we make the technology better? What can we do? But in addition to that, really presenting this back to the pathology communities that we were working with is, you know, th there's other opportunities here. There's things that you can, that you can gain and, and, and data that's available when that becomes a, a digital image that's not available to you in, on a glass slide. So we, we really preach the, you know, another tool in the tool belt. And, and I think we're really starting to see that now, but, and there was quite a bit of pushback. I mean, we had pathologists that um, just flat out refused to use it at the time. And then we had other pathologists that, you know, found it intriguing and was willing to try it. And, and I think what we found as, you know, it's like anything else, as it becomes, if you start hearing good things about it from your colleagues, then you're more likely to, to jump in and try it. And really, that was the approach we took initially is, hey, this technology is available and, and we'll provide training. We'll do whatever, whatever we can do to, to make this technology available to you. You know, once you start getting a few people on board and we have more pathologists that we're willing to try it. And really, our approach was the more people we can get involved, the better. Um, we really looked at the pathologist perspective and made sure that anything we did in the software was really was really done in an effort to make that platform better for them. And, and I think they recognized that as well. And, and we were able to really to, to build that up as we went. And, you know, at one time, I think we had over 150 pathologists that were using the system. So, um, you know, we went from one or two, we were begging to over a hundred. And, and really that, I think that comes down to improvements in the technology, but also just being able to build a system that 
it's going to work better for them and really making them part of the solution. So it sounds like you're certainly the beneficiaries of the network effect. That is the network becomes more valuable as it gains more users. Absolutely. Initially would go to meetings and you could just almost immediately see people kind of turn off as soon as they recognized that you were there, you know, went from that to where you, you had time on the agenda to discuss that. And people were actually listening. So a slow process, but an effective one at the same time. And you also mentioned slamming glass. I think maybe people outside of the profession may not appreciate that. Like just how fast pathologists are with the old-fashioned glass slides, right? And it's comfortable. It's easy. They've been doing it for years and years and years. So to switch abruptly to a computer monitor could be quite a shock to their system. It also highlights that there's secondary benefits. So maybe making the primary read or the primary diagnosis might be much easier slamming glass or just moving that glass slide quickly across your microscope, you know, but for the purposes of a cooperative group or especially creating a biorepository where this is a living, breathing thing where you're going to be accumulating data, there's certainly going to be benefits to a digitized system. And ultimately that's where we want to go. And the slamming glass might not be the best approach for that. It also highlights that many different use cases, you know, not only making the diagnosis. Um, so also speaking of biorepositories, let's talk about the Cancer Genome Atlas. So tell us a little bit about that. Now, that was an interesting time. It, it was actually very exciting that we were, we were essentially the first filter is how we kind of looked at it. So really any of the cases that, that, that would, or was meant to be part of the Cancer Genome Atlas, um, the, really the first step after you you received it and looked at it and said, yeah, it's a piece of tissue. And, you know, obviously you're looking at certain things, really that macroscopic evaluation as it comes in the door. Um, but after that really became an imaging project to where um, we, our group imaged all of the tissue that came in. We used the Viper system to share that data or share those images out with, with a ton of pathologists that were doing you know, very um, detailed reviews, really much more detailed than what we had previously done. And, and a lot of that, a lot of that pushed the Viper system to where we had to make some enhancements. Um, being able to, if you're looking at this type of cancer, then they were very specific. You need to collect this exact information. And it really was that first, that first filter to whether that whether that patient or that patient's uh, tissue would become part of the of the cancer genome atlas project. So uh, a lot of stuff coming in, a lot of changes early on, uh, really really high volume. Um, we expanded our imaging infrastructure, you know, both hardware wise as far as scanners, uh, a ton of data. So we had to you know we had to make a lot of changes there, and then really uh, some some things that we had done a little bit of as far as data exchange. Um, that really went to a whole new level with the cancer genome because all of the cases that passed um, needed to be pushed up to the to the to the data center that they were using so that that could be combined with molecular data and, and all the other all the other bits of information that they were collecting for TCGA. So it, it was a it was a very hectic time. Um, we were onboarding a lot of new pathologists. <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of new pathologists just to do the work uh, to try to keep up. Um, creating a lot of very customized forms for that data collection and then and then sharing that information back and 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 really having a, a ton of information and data that we needed to manage locally and, and really coming up with new processes processes to do that work you know as well as really the whole upload function so you know you think about 
if you're pushing one image, you know, from point A to point B and some of the bandwidth limitations that you're going to run across, I mean, that, that went up exponentially because we were sharing, you know, hundreds or thousands of cases that, you know, obviously the, the whole slide image was a, a large piece of that, that data, but there was, you know, also various other pieces of information that had to get pushed up to the data center. So a lot of challenges really, but a very, very exciting time. Um, it's really cool to see, you know, all the things that came out of the work from the TCGA um, still today, right? I mean, I, I just saw something two or three weeks ago where there was a new paper out that was based off of some of the data that they'd collected for TCGA. So really just to be a part of that was was an exciting time and, and to see the, the value that that, that, that that brought to the research community uh, was very it, it was very cool to be a part of that project. It's a it's going to be a huge opportunity for digital pathology. I think the purpose originally of the Cancer Genome Atlas was to look for molecular alterations in cancer, and then maybe to verify that we have the right tissue or what it corresponds to on the H and E. But I think there's going to be a huge opportunity, you know, to look at to mine the H and E images as the source of of data and predictive and prognostic factors for patients. So is there a push towards that? Certainly, you know, we, we've had several discussions with various companies and, 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 and a lot of the people that we worked with 15 years ago, 20 years ago, they're now involved with, you know, deep learning or AI, whether that's from a commercial perspective or, you know, more of an academic perspective. And, and, and I don't believe I've had one conversation with anyone that hadn't already started evaluating or been evaluating or had already evaluated the data that was collected and shared as part of the TCGA. So I think, you know, any of the AI companies that you're talking to, uh, that was certainly uh, some of the early work that they were looking looking at, some of that, that data being publicly available, I think was has been a huge push um, for these AI companies um, to get started and, and to really just move forward. So it, it even though that wasn't the intention, I think initially, like you said, um, there's certainly been a benefit there from a deep learning and AI perspective. Yeah, I think the future is going to be very bright in terms of collecting data and mining data from histologic images. So, Tom, can you share anything about what you're currently working on now with us? When I left NCH, uh, it, it was tough because I think you know we had we had a great team. Um, we we were able to accomplish a lot together. And, you know, but with all that being said, it, it was a good time to do something a little different. And um, in the back of my mind, even then I was thinking, it's probably not a good time to jump out of this digital pathology field just because, you know, like we've been talking about, just to see the progress that's been made and really to see where things are at today compared to a decade ago and, and where they'll be in the future. Um, it made it, it was really a bittersweet thing to, to leave um, what we had done. Um, so we, we kind of knew all along that we wanted to do something different, but similar. So we've, we've created a new company uh, really with the idea that our initial push is to be able to generate data, um, manage data, share data. Um, we've already started working with a couple clients. Um, we still got some, some pieces that we're putting together um, but we were able to bring some familiar faces from our experience over the years together to create HyperPath. And um, we're, we're really excited to see where it can go. We feel like, you know, the digital pathology world is just now taking off. Uh, we feel like we can bring an abundance of experience 
And, you know, again, our initial push is generate, manage, share, whole slide imaging data. Um, we're, we're, we've got a couple of robots. We have our infrastructure in place. Uh, we have an agreement now with a high-performance computing and storage company that we've worked with in the past, so they can provide a lot of the services that we need. We're in the process now of, of evaluating other partners. You know, we're really looking at some different analytics platforms. And our long-term goal really is to provide services to biotech, pharma, CROs. Uh, and again, we've been very fortunate to bring on a couple clients already. So it's exciting to kind of get back into the game. I uh, don't feel like I was really ever away. We planned on doing it all along. Things kind of fell into place. Uh, it's exciting. It's been a lot of time and effort to get this thing up and rolling. Uh, you know, in the very near future, we hope to to have conversations with a lot of the people that we worked with already, and we're already seeing that happen. So it's a pretty exciting time for us. I think that is exciting. So before we wrap up, maybe just tell us, you know, where you see things going in 10 years or so. We've come a, a long way in a relatively short period of time, but I think there's a, a bright future ahead. So what do you see in the next 10 years or so? Uh, well, you mentioned Moore's Law earlier, and, and, and that certainly has applied. And I think it's going to continue. We're going to continue to see um, some reduced costs. I mean, right now, the barriers is really the cost to entry, I think, in the digital pathology. Um, as more competitors come in, that's going to get better. Um, I really feel like the next 10 years are going to be uh, mind blowing, to be honest with you, because I feel like a lot of these companies, you know, some of these AI companies today are doing some really, really neat stuff, um, being able to to see things that maybe we never didn't realize existed before. And, and that's really one of the nice things about the technology as you collect that data, that data is available. You know, it's not a glass slide that goes into a drawer somewhere or maybe it gets lost over time. You know, the state is available and these these really smart data scientists are, are already doing some, some very neat things with the technology. And I think we're just at the beginning of it. Uh, I think 10 years from now, everybody in this country is gonna have whole slide imaging um, capabilities. Uh, they'll be working in, with the same pathologists they're working with today, uh, but those pathologists will have a whole a new set of tools available to them. Uh, I think the molecular component of pathology is going to continue to grow. I see a lot of integration among, you know, what what we think or what I think about as digital pathology today, but really being able to uh, to get more of a true uh, picture of what's happening with a patient and seeing, you know, various types of imaging modalities, molecular data, uh, even, you know, clinical data. Uh, in one in one place uh, for for a physician or a pathologist to to make better decisions on how we're treating patients, and then really just being able to to take take all that data and make sense of it because we're already creating a ton of data. I think the challenge now is it's almost too much data. It's hard to really for a person to really see that and evaluate it, and and I think that's going to change over the next ten years, and a lot of that's going to be due to deep learning and AI. Let's, let's make sense of all this data. Our guest has been Tom Barr. We'll see you next time on Digital Pathology Today. This has been Digital Pathology Today. Please be sure to subscribe. Thanks for listening.